welcome to the 93rd episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with today's guest, my favorite T1D from Down Under, Aussie England. If you're new to the show, welcome, and thanks for stopping by. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I'm the co-founder of Diabetes Daily Grind and host of this, the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease. I mean, it was a no-brainer to bring Ozzy on as a guest after getting to know her fiery personality and unapologetic curiosity about life. She is vulnerable and silly at the same time, making her the perfect guest. And I think you'll agree with that. Before I get started, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, hosting the Real Life Diabetes Virtual Happy Hour every Thursday seriously puts pep in my step and is a great way to lead into your weekend with positive thoughts and energy. The gathering has nothing to do with alcohol, but is for adults. I hope you'll join me for entertaining pub talk, live music, random themes, and trivia sessions with other people around the world who get it. Please note, be sure you to register because you have to via the private Real Life Diabetes Facebook group or by clicking the Happy Hour logo on my website. Number two, I'm in the process of launching a new podcast series, Just the Facts, Please, featuring medical professionals and industry leaders who can help fill the gap in diabetes management slash education. I mean, I'm always down to learn something new. So hit us up if you're interested in learning more. Number three, this is a good one. I'm gearing up for the epic 100th unicorn episode and just launched a new campaign. As a serial entrepreneur, I want to highlight my fellow creative diabetes homies. I promise you want to get involved. So shoot Penelope, DDG Marketing Associate, an email at Penelope at diabetesdailygrind.com. There's a lot of exciting things that are coming with this. And finally, stay engaged. Love, like, share, and comment on all things social media. You know how to find me. Sign up for the e-newsletter. That's where you're going to hear about everything first. Leave an iTunes review. Subscribe to the DDG YouTube channel. And click on the Amazon banner on the website before ordering. It doesn't cost you a thing and throws a little change my way. There is so many ways for you guys to get involved. So anywho, enough rambling. Let's get started. Thank you for joining the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. Thank you for having me. I am so thankful. I'll start with the fact that I had the pleasure of getting to meet Ozzy in another, uh, our women's support group that we both attend weekly, which I look forward to every single week. Grace and Growth, hosted by Sarah McLeod, past podcast guest. And Ozzy's just this vibrant personality. And I was like, uh, yeah, uh, she's, a, she's definitely a worthy of listening to and entertaining, to say the least. So, Ozzy, where are you calling in from? From Melbourne, Australia. And so it is what time there currently? It is currently 20 past 10 in the morning and uh, I just got myself out of bed. (laughs) And it's 6 p.m. here in San Antonio, Texas. So I will say that we're both wearing robes because when Ozzy really pops into Grace and Gross and some of the other things we host, she's literally rolling out of bed. So it's always been fun 
the rest of us, it's like the end of the day and we're beat down and want to put on a robe, but Ozzy actually shows up in her robe. So, <laughs> just yeah. hiding my pajamas or hiding the best of me rolling out of bed. <laughs> I feel naked if I call in now and I'm not wearing a robe. It's just not right. It's so true. Well, I want to start with, with many of my guests. Tell us briefly about your diagnosis story. Basically, you know, I was uh, at the time I just finishing studying in a separate state to my parents. So I lived in a um, separate state. I'd been through two years of studying acting and I'd come home to the state where my family lives to go to my best friend's wedding. Um, Went to my best friend's wedding and like, I'm not a big drinker, but during the day I had like one glass of champagne and then on the way home, I just uncontrollably started vomiting and we couldn't work out why. Like I'm also celiac. So did I have gluten at the wedding? My best friend was super sure about how my meal was prepared and stuff like that. So, you know, we couldn't figure out what it was. And then for days after I was violently ill, like it continued. And then for the next sort of couple of weeks, or I don't even remember months, I was kind of, you know, the typical symptoms of sleeping like 20 hours of the day. Like I get, I was working for a family friend at the time, just kind of earning cash to move back to the Eastern States again to, you know, pursue my, my career. And I'd get home from work and I'd sleep and sleep and sleep. And I, you know, from jobs working with my friend, I was sleeping all the time. And then, um, you know, I was going to the toilet all the time. I couldn't quench my thirst. And I don't eat sugar or takeaway or anything like that. But I was craving like McDonald's Sundays all the time and cranberry juice. And I was just like, what's going on here? So I just kind of went down to my local GP and was like, I think I have like a urinary tract infection or something. And um, he was like, okay, let's just check your, you know, check your urine. He's like, oh, you've got a lot of sugar in your urine. I want to do some blood tests, did some blood tests and was like, I think you got diabetes. And mind you, this was not a regular GP. This was like a drop-in clinic. Cause I was home visiting my family. So I didn't have a regular GP mm-hmm. and this scary doctor I've attended on my own like attended this appointment thinking I've got a urinary tract infection. Let's just get some antibiotics on my way. And he's like, you've got diabetes. I was like, what, what the, what did you know what diabetes was? Like what? No, I knew about type two diabetes, of course, because everyone knows about type two. So I'm going, what even is that? And he said, I think you have type one, but we need to be certain. I'm like, what? How, like, how are you even considering if I have type two diabetes? I don't understand. Isn't that from poor lifestyle choices? What have I done wrong? Like, and he sent me on my way. And two weeks later, I was put on insulin. So I didn't go to the hospital. I had no idea what diabetes was. I was sent home for two weeks, come back and we'll get you on insulin. And now I'm realizing after meeting with people in the community and other diabetics, the significance of those two weeks could have been so fatal for me. Oh, yeah. So I can't remember exactly like the time difference between that first instance when I kind of saw symptoms, you know, like the vomiting. And I didn't know at the time it was connected. And now, obviously, looking back at it, I realized well, I had a glass of champagne that day and one, I don't normally drink alcohol and the sugar content in that champagne, probably what resulted 
to me vomiting for three days afterwards. And my parents didn't think much of it because I always had a really sensitive stomach as a child and I always had time off school a lot because I was celiac and we didn't know that was a thing either. Like it wasn't common to be diagnosed with that when I was going through primary school. So they just thought I was going through a bout of, you know, my sensitive stomach issues. We had no idea. And like the first year I was still in shock and denial and had absolutely no idea what it was because I was put on with an educator that was a type two educator. So everything I was being taught how to treat for the first 12 months was so, I had to, by the time I got, you know, I moved to Sydney a year later once I thought I had things under control because I wanted to pursue my career as an actor. And I found an educator there that was like, what are you doing? This is not how you treat type one. You're treating it like it's your type two. Because I was so... Were you on insulin at this point? I was, but I was so restricted on my diet. I wasn't eating carbohydrates at all. Like I was eating like choosing the sugar content and the carbohydrate content and basically medicating myself with that and then giving insulin if I needed it. So So like crap the whole time? I don't even remember. It's just all a blur. I really don't remember. And people like telling me they were in hospital and they went through DKA. And I'm like, that whole first year to two years of my diagnosis is all a blur. I don't know if it was because I was in denial the whole time or I didn't even know what it was that I had. Like, you know, I don't think it really sunk in till about four years in. And I'm approaching five and a half years of being type one diabetic now. So I don't, I've only really seriously comprehended this disease. Well, can you really seriously comprehend it? (laughs) But like, you know what I mean? Like what the impact it has on my life about a year ago. And so what, this is going to age you, I mean, date you, I guess. I don't know what the words are, but um, (laughs) how old were you when you were diagnosed? You were an adult. I mean, Uh, 25. Yeah, 25. I have to think about it because yeah, I'm coming up to 30 and I've had it for like five and a half years. So uh, June next year will be six years. I've had diabetes. Do you celebrate your diversity? No, because I didn't only like six months ago, did I calculate how long I've actually had it for? Or like, because people are like, how long have you had it? I was like, I don't know. What is this diversity? Like I asked someone the other day, I'm like, why are we celebrating the fact we got a disease? I don't get it. Someone said to me, no, you're celebrating another year of that you're alive. Right. And I'm like, oh, in my head, I'm like, why would I celebrate getting a disease? Like, um, yeah, so I had to calculate. I had to go back and go, okay, when was my best friend's wedding? Look at the photos, look at the dates and calculate. I don't know the day I was diagnosed. I can work out the month, but because it was such a blur and I don't, I wasn't like, oh, this is a significant date in my life. I was diagnosed. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. It's Yeah, so like... <laughs> Six months ago, I couldn't even recall how long I had it for. <laughs> that's funny. Well, I want, okay, I want yeah. to touch on a couple of things. And what I love about whenever we're yeah. together, whether that's Grace and Growth or the happy hour, is that we talk about huh. kind of like our struggles. Or, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say struggles necessarily, but the differences in medical care, period, healthcare for people in each mm-hmm. country. So in Australia, tell me if you can what your health yes. is like and what you pay for insulin and what things America currently has that Australia is not privy to yet. 
Okay, so I'm not across the board in all of this, but I'll tell you what I do know. So, like, I may be wrong on some of it because I'm not your, familiar this with This is your part. story, not medical. Yeah, so we obviously have Medicare here in Australia, which is like a government, I guess, mm-hmm. subsidised situation. You also register when you're a diabetic, you register with the NDSS. And so that basically you go on a register that you're a type 1 diabetic. So when you go to the pharmacy, you show that card and it basically has a record of all the the equipment or um, that you've ordered. So some items are subsidized by that scheme. Some items are not. Um, But for example, so the best option here is to be on MDI because it's subsidized. So I will get... A month's worth of insulin for this is my long lasting and my fast acting for $14 because it's subsidized. So if you read the packaging, it says it's supposed to be like $250. Right. But um, obviously, based on my ratio, you know, I think mine lasts about two months. I think, you know, some people's might only last a month's worth. Um, but yeah, so it should be about $250, $300, I think, for a month to two months. And then the subsidy, I get mine for like $14 or $15. Test strips are covered on the subsidy. So a box of 100 cost me $1.20. What? Uh, yeah. If you buy your uh, glucose meter from the pharmacy, it does cost you. But if you get it through your educator, you can usually get some supplied. The oh, what are the, Lancets? Yeah, I never remember the name. But go, yeah. So they're full price. So I think they're like fifteen dollars for twenty or fifteen dollars for fifty. So they're full price. Lance, the needle tips. Prick your fingers. Yeah, they're full. No, they're the. I think I'm pretty sure they're the only thing that's full price. Okay, but do you change your Lancet every time you prick your finger? Because I change my Lancet like every two, three months. So that 15, I mean, that box that you get could probably last you two years. I probably buy one box a year if I'm lucky. <laughs> so the only thing that is full price, I only buy once a year. Um, yeah, so, and the, the needles that go on your pens, they're yeah. free. If you've registered, obviously, uh, like if you're not registered with the National Diabetes Scheme, um, you basically pay full price for everything. Um, pumps, you do have to have private health insurance. So we have Medicare, which is like the government thing, which, you know, you can get subsidy to go to the doctors and your local sort of medical services that you need. Um, but then you can also get private health insurance as well. And so you pay that extra, you know, if you ever need an ambulance, you're better off to have private health insurance or it costs you an arm and leg, or if you need to go to the hospital or anything like that. So pumps, you do have to have, it's incredibly expensive to get started on a pump and you have to have private health insurance. A friend of mine's just recently gone on it. And I remember her explaining how expensive it was and she had to kind of go on a payment plan for it. Okay, let me ask you Sorry, and- too, because, and I'm not, I'm an NDI as well. And do you have access to all the pumps that we do here in the United States? No, okay. no, we do not. And we also don't have access to all the CGMs. And as far as CGMs goes, that's the most expensive thing here in Australia. So unless you're under the age of 21, you get your CGMs for free. You have to apply if you're on a low income, if you're over the age of 21 and you're on a low income support. Um, so you have like a healthcare card or you're planning a pregnancy in the next six months or you're post-pregnancy and you're over the age of 21, you can apply for free CGMs. 
Otherwise, they work out to like $900 a month or something close to that. So and that's our expensive part. And you, what CGM? I know you, you use a CGM. What do you use currently? Yeah, so I've got the Dexcom G5 and they've just released the G6 in Australia not that long ago, a couple of months ago, but it's not eligible for subsidy right now. So you can only get it if you pay full price. We also have the Freestyle Libre and another one that I can't remember the name of. We don't have any, um, what's the pump you guys use? Well, there's a bunch. There's Medtronic. Um, oh, sorry, the um, Omnipod. Omnipod. Omnipod, yeah. I just said pump. I didn't say which pump. You could have started listing off 100. <laughs> um, we don't have the Omnipod because it's a pump and it has to be covered by private health insurance, yet the private health insurance consider it as a disposable. It's not, so they won't cover it because it's not cost effective. Um, and that's the only pump I would ever go on is the Omnipod. Because all my friends in the US are on Omnipods. And if I was ever to consider a pump, I'm like, I don't want a cord attached to me. But I can't access it here. <laughs> anyway. That's so, yeah. Does, yeah. Does that kind of explain the, I've, I dragged it out a bit, the medical yeah, system. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And yeah. I think it's just because you're in the United States and like learning from our friends in Canada and Argentina and things like it's so different. Yeah. And the, I mean, you have maybe more access to things, but affordability is a shit show. I mean, so it, yeah, there's so many other factors there. So you never, I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm just always curious as to how everybody else gets their supplies. So if you were ever in a desperate situation and you did not have insulin, do you have a resource or something, something you could do to make sure that you had what you needed? Within Australia? Yeah. Or do you uh, find your friends? I mean, because, I mean, we all... Well, I've never, I've never really been in that situation because, you know, I can go to my educator, I can go to my GP and be like, I need a script. And straight away, they'll give me a script for it. I go down the pharmacy, like it's $14, you know, with my, if for some reason, and my pharmacist, like I always go to the same pharmacist. If I went down to him and I was like, what insulin do you have? It's an emergency. He'd be like, here, take this, like, you know? like oh here get, take this once you get your script like he, you know it's because I've got a relationship with him there is groups though there's Facebook groups you know you're not allowed a list that it's insulin yeah. but you know oh I've got three orange crayons does anybody need them or I can't get my script filled like does anyone have any blue crayons I'm desperate for them you know it's crazy so, say that I mean if, if we're not for the diabetes support groups peer groups I think about I mean I say this often we learn more from each other and make sure that we're all taken care of yeah I mean period sure. I mean in the United States, yeah. not, I cannot say that I've ever given away insulin, but I have lent a lot of insulin to people. And um, yeah, it's just what we should be doing. We got to take care of each other. Yeah. But also I think here, if I was to get in a sticky situation, because we have public hospitals and private hospitals. Mm-hmm. So I could easily go to a public emergency room and be like, I need some form of insulin. Like I'm, this is my situation. And they'd have to well not have to but they would probably assist you know and public hospitals are free of charge I mean it's the same with your diabetes care you can go through a public hospital and see a care team but if your A1C is really good you have to wait an extended period of time like I had a really good A1C 
little did I know it was because I was having extensive overnight hypos before I got my CGM, but they made me wait almost 12 months to get into the free medical system through the hospital because I was like, I can't afford private. Like I'm on low income. Yeah. But it got to the point that I was like, this is getting ridiculous. I'm violently ill afterwards, like the effects of over these overnight hypos. So I then found an educator that I now see privately. And I'm like, you know what? This is my health. I'm happy to pay her privately. And I only see her now every six months. But I still see the public medical system, like go to my public diabetes clinic, Mm -hmm. but it would probably only be once a year because they just like, I mean, it's not necessarily their fault. They're just backlogged on resources. You know, they've got to try and get everyone through the system. Okay. Let me ask you this too, in the States, and I see this often right now, especially insurance situations, but I'm using these two examples, not that one is better than the other, but let's just say that you were given a prescription for Novolog or a specific mm-hmm. type of fast acting insulin and the insurance sure. or the situation changed and like, okay, no, you're only going to be able to use Humalog now. Would that be difficult for you to change in the Australian way of getting insulin or do you get to use whatever you want? So let me, for example, say to you, I'm currently on Landis, right? And they've recently changed the naming of it to OptiSlim or something. I don't know if it's the same in the US, but it's the same chemical ingredients, whatever you want to call it. Like it's the same insulin, but they've had to legally change the names, you know, medical companies, whatever. So basically if I was to take my Lantus script down to any pharmacy, they'd be like, you know, this is no longer valid. So I would go to my GP and say, Hey, like, um, I know they've changed the name of it. Can I get a new script for the new product? And she'd be like, sure. Like, have, like I'll just read you through the, you know, terms and conditions or the changes or whatever. Are you comfortable doing it yourself? Like, are you comfortable? Yeah. If you have any issues or you find that it's, it does differ your blood sugar, you know, let's get in contact with your educator. That's what my GP would say. I do have a very good GP. But in saying that, I went down to my pharmacy the other day, and this is how good my pharmacist is. I said, I've still got scripts for Lantus, but they've changed the name. He's like, yeah, I'll still fill it anyway with the new product. If I went to a pharmacist that I didn't know, they'd be like, sorry, we can't fill this. You need to go get one with the correct name. I think that's why I think. Are you giving your pharmacist like care packages and... (laughs) Yeah, that's why I think it's a really good... I mean, in these situations, if you have a chronic illness, I really think, especially in Australia, it's so important to have a relationship with your pharmacist because if you get stuck in a, a sticky situation, I know I can go down to him and be like, ugh. And like I have to, because I'm on subsidy for my Dexicom, I have to order my Dexicom through him. Like you have to order your Dexcom through your pharmacist if you're getting subsidy. And he's so great about it because I'm obviously only allowed a certain amount per month. So I don't then on sale or give away or whatever. Sure. And he'll be like, oh, um, you're a little, you know, you're a couple of days early. I'll just hold on to this and I'll um, put the order through when the date comes up. I'll give you a buzz when it, like, you know, it's just, yeah, he makes life easier. Yeah. It's not like, oh, you can't get it by, you know? I got to tell you one, one funny story. My time in Australia, I, I don't remember which town I was in, but it was a small one. It was very rural. Well, I'm going to say rural. It was whatever. This was in New South Wales. And one of the host families that I was staying with because I was a part of the Rotary Exchange group um, was a pharmacist. So right. was, I had, I feel like, I don't remember what all I packed, but I had plenty of insulin. I had plenty of everything else, but my finger pricker broke. 
the finger pricker, I had plenty of lancets and everything else. And I was like, to the point of, I was just pricking my finger with a lancet because it was like, I've done that so many times. It was ridiculous. And I guess they saw me do that at the dinner table at this big rotary function. He was like, what's going on? I was like, well, my finger pricker broke. And he was like, I own a pharmacy. So he went, to, he, I think he had his son go down and just take a box out and just give me a finger pricker. <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous is that? I mean, it was just one of those things you, you could not pack. I mean, I would never would have packed a backup finger pricker. Yeah. Oh, I've learned that the hard way, honestly. I've left my finger pricker at home or something, and I'm like, have you got a safety pin? Like, I bet someone in the house, I'm like, you got a safety pin? Like, I don't want to drive home to get a finger pricker. Like, just give me a safety pin or something. I'll just prick my it's finger. Alcohol, that. Just and also, I'm like, I had my insulin. Why did I ask for a safety pin? I could have used the tip of my insulin needle to prick my finger. Yeah, I mean, technically, we're not giving medical advice, people, but um, you could have done that. No, no, of course. But if, I mean, if you had extra ones, I would be curious. And I mean, so many confessions here. <clears throat> I yeah. Mean, when you reuse, like I've reused needles, and if you draw back when you're getting insulin and like a little blood shows up because of the last shot, maybe a little blood came back in. I'm like, this is my blood. Can I give that? You know, <laughs> like, you know it's like, and then I second. You know, I guess about everything. This way, if you've got blood, when you like, you prick your finger and you suck the blood of your finger. So how is that any different? You know, I'm like, we're just like 21st century vampires, really. Let's be honest. Let me say the blood sucking after the finger prick. I never knew people did that until I met my friend Ryan Fightmaster, who helped me. I found the diabetes deadly crime. When I saw him do that, I was like, what? is going on i mean and he'd wipe it on his jeans and stuff i was like you're like a walking crime scene <laughs> oh my gosh it was i mean when was- i'm driving i would hate to see like we have black car seats my partner's gonna hate me for saying this but if i've pricked my finger and i'm sitting in the car i'll just like wipe it on the base of the car seat because it's black no one will ever know it's there yeah, and i'm just my secret my partner's gonna be like i did not know you did that i see covered in your fingerprints okay and let's talk about that because we don't have as much as i would like so what i love about ozzy is how she talks about her boyfriend who's you haven't seen him and well hopefully when this comes out he'll be on his way home. Did he catch the flight? Was he able to catch the Yes, he got his flight and he landed on Australian soil on Saturday evening. So he's in hotel quarantine in Sydney and he's there for 14 days. So hopefully by like the 19th or 20th of October, he'll be home. I think we're, he's four days in. So we've got 10 more days to go. 10 more days. So the podcast, like yeah. right before that. that's awesome. It's so it's been eight months since I've been able to see him. And, and if you can share, and if you can't, no worries. <clears throat> Why have you mm-hmm. separated for this uh, period of time? Um, so basically, he works in minor league baseball, has done for most of his adult life. Um, he goes to the U.S. six months every year. So he is home for Australian summer. He works here in baseball, and then he goes to um, – summer in the US and works in the minor league baseball. He played and now he's in the coaching. Um, and I usually go over, you know, we, we go three months, four months at most apart, um, which is totally fine. It's manageable. We're very independent, creative and people. 
Um, but unfortunately, because of COVID this year, I could not travel to the US and he needed to stay in the US because that's where his work is and he needed an income. If he came home to Australia, he would not be able to work. So he left in February. We were hoping for me to go over there in June, but COVID hit and he had to finish out his work schedule. His work schedule should have finished or end of August but he couldn't get a flight because of COVID. So we waited a month for him to get a flight and he managed to get a flight on the 2nd of October. So he should have been home early September. So it's been eight months because of his work schedule and me not being able to travel to visit him. And thanks to COVID, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? That's exactly right. And so, okay, so how did you guys meet? We're both from Perth, Western Australia. Um, We met years ago at a New Year's Eve party and uh, we were friends for a while and then it just kind of fell into place. Like the universe just, and we've always done long distance. Um, Yeah, we just met by coincidence at at a New Year's Eve party. I was with a group of friends that... I just randomly went to this New Year's Eve party one night um, and he knew a bunch of people I was standing with and he went around and was like, gave everyone like a kiss on the cheek and was like, happy New Year's. He come up to me and he was like, hey, I don't know you, but I don't want to leave you out. So he gave me a kiss and was like, happy New Year's. And I was like, this guy's cute and charming. And, And so we got chatting and we were friends and yeah. And then just staying connected over the years, one thing led to another and we ended up together. Okay. So did you have diabetes at that point? No, no. So we'd only been together, like seriously together for about a year or not even when I got diagnosed with diabetes and he was in the U S at the time. So I remember him ringing me like before I got diagnosed with diabetes saying, you know, he wanted to give this a fair shot. Like he, how long could he make me wait for? So we just like committed to giving this a shot. And then not long after I was diagnosed with diabetes and I'm ringing him while he's in the U S going like, I've just been told I've got diabetes. I don't know what this means. Like, like, do you still want to be with me? Like, right. I, like this is too. If this is too much for you, and he was like, like the best response I ever could have asked for. Like, he was just like, I, I can't even remember exactly what he said, but like, he was just like, it's gonna be fine. We've got each other. You've got me. Like it's fine. We'll get through it. We'll learn together. And I don't see you any differently. Like stop stressing. And that was the moment that I was like, I'm going to be with this man for the rest of my life. Like I've just been diagnosed with a chronic illness and this man is going to stand by me and we haven't even been together that long. Like that's pretty special. It's it's incredibly special and don't make me cry. I don't mean to get emotional. I mean, I've been eight months without this man. So when I talk about him, I'm like, God damn it. I love you. He's a very, very special person. Very, very supportive. I think that all of us um, want a partner that's going to be that supportive and not everybody has that. So it's nice that you have that going Yeah. On. Especially newly into the disease, and I, you know, I hope that 
the longevity of this relationship is. <laughs> I can't wait to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm COVID babies that come from this. <laughs> I mean, I've dragged his butt to. Uh, he's actually he's been willing. I've I've taken him to you know to to uh, diabetes summits and conferences, mm-hmm. and he does the diabetes walk with me every year, and I paint him in like blue paint on his <laughs> face, which he hates anything like that, and. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, I couldn't ask for a more supportive partner. So yeah, I have a very supportive family and partner. Well, okay. And that's another thing that I have on my list of things I want to chat about because whenever yeah, sure. um, our friend Nicole did a poem, a uh, live reading about to love a diabetic. And we were both all joking about the fact that we want to send that to our moms and all of our family and friends, because it really, it's so well-written and I'm going to put that actually in the show. Oh yeah. She did yeah. I remember now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Something you said is that, and, and, and you share your numbers with your mom. Yes, I did. Yes. Do, is she still a part of your Dexcom share? No. <laughs> and if I'm sure my mom is going to listen to this, and I absolutely love you, mom, and I adore you, and I know that. Thanks, mom. You, yeah, and I know that uh, you care for me. It's just really hard for her because she's not living with me. She's not in the same state as me. She doesn't see, um, day to day what goes on. And, um, as much as she wants to understand, I don't think she fully comprehends, um, my diabetes because she can't see me day to day. And I've lived away from home since I was diagnosed. So it's not like I was a child and she assisted me through diabetes. And then I was an adult. And, I have a very close friend here that's a nurse that follows my Dexacom because when my partner isn't here, I live alone. So I need someone, if emergency was to happen, that is right here, can be at my doorstep in five minutes. So that's why she follows. And my partner likes to follow because that makes him feel connected to me. He can just, he doesn't ever make comment on it. He just likes to know, you know, um, he doesn't have any alarms turned on. He just likes to check it to be like, I feel closer to you if I know you're okay. Um, And so I was originally sharing Dexcom with my mom because I wanted her to be involved and see it. But what happened was I'd have a hypo. Then I've got three people messaging me and ringing me like, what's going on? And I'm like, I can't treat the hypo and reply to three people. Like I just need that one emergency contact. And my mom, like with her beautiful, caring nature was like, wants to help and like I remember my dad saying to me once that he's sitting there and she's going oh she's like ha like she's having a low like how can I help her and dad my dad's telling her she's got it Pauline like just relax like there's nothing you can do you're in a different state if she's having issues she'll ring you like let her deal with it but my mom because she's just so caring wants to help in any way she can and sometimes doesn't realize that yeah, I don't know how to word it. <laughs> Sometimes she would lay comments of like, because she could see my graph and, you know, she might say, oh, yeah, you've been, um, I noticed you've been high lately. And it's like, you know, it's all totally out of love and like her caring for me. But because she's not here, she doesn't realize I'm probably high because... I might be premenstrual or right. I'm stressing about something or, yeah, because I only eat eight. 30 minutes ago, mom. So I'm naturally going to be high. Like, you know, so I, I, I feel for her because I sit here and I, um, I 
give her attitude sometimes because she just doesn't get it. But I feel for her because she wants to help and she wants to be able to get it. Um, but it's so hard because she doesn't live with me 24-7. So, yeah. But I love you, Mom. I know you're going to listen to this. <laughs> Is there a specific diet that you find most helpful for your diabetes or, or what? Uh, yeah. Do you know what? It's taken me some time to figure out what I don't works. Like the word diet. Let me just say, let me rephrase that. Yeah. Lifestyle choices sure. that make yeah. diabetes easier yeah. because I'm, I don't diet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, technically everything you eat is classified as a diet anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So I have done a lot of experimenting. Um, I've done, I suffered in the past from yo-yo diets. Well, like I said, when I was first diagnosed, I was not eating any carbohydrates. I remember eating bloody just lettuce sometimes, you know, I was dropped so much weight and not from my diabetes, um, fell into disordered eating after I was diagnosed with diabetes, yo-yo diet, went through all these fad diets. And I would like see this craze on the internet and be like, I gotta try it. And it would just be this unhealthy spiral for me. Anyways. Um, I have done a lot of experimenting and I decided, you know what, it's just time I listen to my body, like listen to, look at research, follow other diabetics and listen to what's best for my body. And I kind of, it started with, I was struggling to digest meat. So I was like, okay, well, my blood sugars are struggling for like four to six hours afterwards, but it's because I'm not digesting meat very well. And so I slowly cut out meat and then it just kind of rolled out from there. I then cut out, you know, dairy and animal products and experimented, added things back in, added things out. So I eat a 95% plant-based whole foods diet now. I say 95% because we're not all perfect. And there's an odd occasion that I'll have a little bite of chocolate. And in the past, I would have a little bite of cheese, but I've actually stopped in the last month. I've stopped cheese as well. So, but I still have a little sneaky treat of chocolate, let's be honest. And I love that you're honest with that because I mean, I, uh, I, I mean, I could, my friends and family, when I say this, I could give up wine before I would give up cheese. Like cheese, yeah, straight up weakness. Um, would you know that cheese releases the same in uh, hormone in your head that drugs would? That's why people yeah, can't give it up? Yes, I know all these things. I read it's, That's so why it's addictive. It's, yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie, I love cheese, but as I've sort of cut out animal products, I started it for health reasons and the impact it has on my blood sugar phenomenal like just the way that I am able to have some sort of stability I mean can anyone really have some sort of stability in in diabetes but in saying that you know before I was like this up down roller coaster ride consistently and now I'll just get a slow steady spike and like a slow steady come down you know I'm not having as many highs I'm not having as many hypos and I just feel better I feel healthy. I feel good. I feel energized. And so I just try to listen to my body and everybody's different. What works for them? And I hate the word, oh, you're a vegan because I'm sorry. You can still be a really unhealthy vegan and eat highly processed junk food. So yeah. Yeah. So I like, and I try to avoid grocery aisles. I try to avoid highly processed 
packaged food. I mean, I look at the back of a packet and I'm like, if it's got more than 10 ingredients and I don't know what one of those ingredients are, I'm not buying you. I don't want to fill my body with chemicals. So I think that also played a big part, you know, let's not put chemicals in my body or on my body or in my hair or on my face. Let's, you know, listen to what my body requires. I totally agree with that. And I got to say there's two, well, two things. One, I made a choice when I was 14, which was 30 and a half years ago. Let's not say that number much longer, but um, to cut out (laughs) beef and pork and all kinds of stuff. And so I feel like one of the things that I contribute to my healthy lifestyle now is the fact that I cut those things out, which with people with diabetes are more prone to heart disease and all these other things that are related to, and I'm not bashing the beef industry or the pork industry or anything like that, but that was a choice that I made as a young person. And this week, tomorrow, actually, I get a delivery from a company and I, I don't think that veganism is a lifestyle. I choose a vegan diet every once in a while. And I want to start documenting more about how I feel about those things. So I'm about to get a large delivery tomorrow and I'm going to do just vegan I say that loosely. I'm going to have to think about all that, but I go a big as I can with being, um, living the vegan lifestyle for at least one right. week. Yeah. Nice. A lot of people find when they, uh, transition to plant-based or vegan lifestyle, they are quite de-energized to begin with because yeah. you're changing your body, right? Yeah. You're detoxing your body. And so it does take a little bit for your body to get used to. I mean, people are like, oh, I don't have enough energy. Well, you need to give it a chance, you know? So, and everybody's different, little bits and pieces here and there. Some people like to dedicate one day to like no animal products, you know, whatever works for you you and what's realistic for you. And I found this kind of groove that's realistic and good for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have this support, like my family and my partner know the impact and that it's having on me and the health and, you know, I'm not doing it to restrict my eating or anything like that. This is probably the healthiest and the most I've ever eaten in my life because I'm making better choices. It's funny because I started for health reasons and now that it's extended for so long, it's turned into this environmental and ethical thing too. Not that I would ever push it on anyone, but just the thought of eating an animal now. And I found I actually have like this newfound love for animals. Like not that I, I love animals in general, but now I'm just like, Oh my gosh, sometimes I think I love animals more than humans. I gotta say, obviously, because the reason I cut out beef and pork in my younger years is because I lived in the country, a rural part of my hometown. And so I would have mm-hmm. to pass cows every single day. And I read some book and I can't remember what it was, but I was like, I can't look at you. I can't stare at you and know that I'm gonna eat you. Like, I just can't do it. It's, it was too much. But okay, so I'm going to shift gears because we need to wrap it up. But I'm very excited. Sure. Ozzy is like a star. She's an actor, actress, however we want to say that. Yeah. And so you've been on a couple of things, but I don't even care about that. I'm excited for what, okay, you have a side hustle. You have your own Etsy thing, which will be in the show notes. B, you just got accepted into a pretty cool TV series, reality show. What is it? Yeah, so it's a TV series. It's a charity philanthropy uh, all-stars TV series. So um, basically, you know, you do, you're, you're uh, an ambassador for a particular charity, and my charity is Diabetes Australia. Woo-hoo! 
um, and yeah, and um, they're all about you know uh, research and finding a cure for diabetes and assisting with um, you know preventing and all that kind of thing. So obviously that's so close to home, right? Um, so pre-filming, we spend ten months uh, fundraising for our charity. Um, and then at the end of the 10 months, we go to a secret location somewhere within Australia or New Zealand, and we do a six day adventure, fun filled, packed thing. And we're filmed and then it's broadcast on national TV here in Australia, um, basically advocating for our charity. And yeah, this that sounds amazing and terrifying. Yeah. So is the challenge, like, because I looked at, you know, the video and some other things that you yeah. put out to our private groups. Are you going to have to, like, eat worms and stuff or what? I mean, no, so like, I think, well, I I hope not because, like, I don't want to eat those little th- living things. Um, my understanding is that it's, like, adventure adrenaline packed. So, you know, we might do six-day, like, full on pack like whitewater rafting hot air ballooning abseiling hiking like as much as they can cram into six days and film it and then it yeah the episode will air on national tv here in australia and then i will share links with all my friends around the world but yeah so now i'm just kind of it's just kicked off and i'm in my 10 months of pre um fundraising for before pre-film pre-filming okay are have you started to think about this and I, I'm not trying to plant the seed in a negative at any point, but whatever that those challenges are going to be, it's going to be different for you because you have type one diabetes. So are you mentally correct or what that's going to look yes. like? Yes. I'm a massive adrenaline junkie, which was half the reasons why I applied for this show. I'm a huge adrenaline junkie. Anything adventure, travel, I'm all in for. Um, I mean, I went flyboarding in New Zealand last year, which is like where you put a jetpack on in the middle of the ocean, like in the icy glaciers and jetpacks. Like, so yes, but I found out yesterday when I had a meeting with the producers that the people that are actually going to be on my episode, there is a few type one diabetics and the cameraman himself, the cameraman himself, who they've used for years is type one diabetic. So I think I'm in safe hands. Like, I mean, I said to her, it concerns me. It's a secret location. We don't know where you're going. We don't know where we're going, but she's like, we give you a packing list and you'll be well prepared of what's going to happen. I think I'll be totally fine. I've done enough adrenaline in the past. I don't know, six days might have an impact, but yeah, I've done enough uh, adrenaline junkie stuff in the past to kind of be, be somewhat prepared, but then also the excitement of being on TV might overcome me. Who knows? But my other little side hustle launching hopefully in the next two weeks, um, Aussie T1D Mozzie is going to be a little fun take on diabetes add a little humor and laughter in there because I think everybody needs some laughter in their life and we shouldn't really take things too seriously you would know that from um experiencing me in our weekly chats because I'm always up for a laugh and a giggle and I say the most random things um but that basically is going to be some fun little takes on diabetes and it's going to be diabetes merch so um, 10% of each item sold is also going to go towards my charity in the lead up for my show as well. So 
I've got yeah. a ton of ideas. I'm going to help. I'm going to do everything in my power to see you be the, do you guys get a prize? Like if out of all the contenders or contestants or whatever is a part of the show, who raises the most money? Do you get a, something like a um, prize? We haven't been told that. No, we have, we have not been told that. Um, I mean, we have targets that they want us to reach, which is understandable because, you know, you don't just come onto these shows for a free ride for the six day adventure, but I guess the way they want you to look at it is you're raising funds for such a great cause. And ultimately your prize is your six day adventure, you know, and it's just an added bonus that you get to advocate for your charity on the TV show. Do you still have the video that you sent to them? As your entry? I do not know. If you do, I want to, I would love, love, love <laughs> to put it in the show notes because I think it would be just like such a great testament of who you are. Uh, and then when we check in in the next, you know, couple of Honestly, I feel oh. like it was so crazy. I feel like I was sitting here going like, like in my rawest form in the middle of COVID, like, hi. I'm Ozzy. <laughs> like, oh, it's probably a complete mess. Okay, so I want to end with this. So Ozzy has been, like yeah. I said, one of the reasons I love her is for her uh, vulnerability and ability to be honest about stuff that's going on. So you've been hardcore quarantined, like many of yeah. us, but yeah. in Australia in particular, you really have not had a lot of social engagement. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. So we went into lockdown in March. I went in, I personally went into lockdown a week or two weeks before everyone else, because I was panicking as a diabetic, I was vulnerable and all this stuff in the news. And then we came out of it. I think it was like mid June, July, we came out of lockdown for like maybe four weeks if we're lucky. But even then people were out roaming around and I was like, really cautious about still leaving my house. So I still kept myself in some form of a lockdown and didn't see anybody or anyone. And then we then went back into a lockdown. And so we base, I personally have been in lockdown for like since March. And I think there was two, maybe three weeks in there that I may have gone out a little bit. Um, we're waiting on restrictions to ease in the next two weeks because things in regards to our cases are looking a lot better. But I mean, stage four lockdown, you can leave your house to go to the grocery store. You can go for exercise one hour a day. That's it. We have just been lucky enough now that if you live, and I live alone, I don't live with any family. I don't, you can't visit anybody. Um, but in the last two weeks, if you did live alone, you have been able to create a bubble buddy. So you can go visit one person as long as there's only one adult in the house at the time. So in the last two weeks, I've been fortunate enough to be able to connect with a friend. So, and I can't tell you, like, she's probably like, okay, can you please leave now? And I'm like, I need all the connection I can get. And I, when my partner gets home, I honestly feel for him because I'm probably going to be all over him. Well, in the support group, I mean, like when we all get to connect on Wednesdays or the happy yeah. Wednesdays, it's like, and I mean, we have to limit our time because. I know, right? Yeah. I'm super thankful for those groups because in the hardcore 
like center of lockdown, I didn't, I wasn't connecting with every, anyone. I mean, I ring my mum once a day because I'm that bored, listen to her while she's working, like, because I'm that bored. But it's like those connections that I had with people being able to video chat, you know, a couple of times a week with my diabetes community, incredibly rewarding, like not rewarding, but you know what I mean? Like not the right word, but you know what I mean? Much needed much so, all of us yeah absolutely so but you know what it is what it is like there's no point getting down in the dumps about it you know we can't control it currently we can only do our individual part it's bigger than us right now so what's the point in getting down in the dumps about it just got to roll with it I have I'm actually the healthiest I've ever been right now because I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and mope that 2020 took away my acting career. Right. Like I'll pick it up when I can, you know, I, I was starting to get things happening, but it is what it is. So let's put other things into place. I've started, you know, a little side hobby, a, a side hustle. I've now been accepted into this adventure program. I'm exercising every single day and I'm like on this great health kick. So <laughs> make the most of the situation I'm given. I'm not going to sit around and mope on the couch all day. Yeah, I think that's well said. So, we'll say that you you talk the talk and walk the walk because sometimes whenever you join the, the Grace and Growth, any of the support groups situations, you're like, okay, my blood sugar is high. I'm, I'm going to let you all, I'm chiming out because I'm going to go, I've got to exercise. So I think you are yes, right. unintentionally an inspiration to us all. Oh. So. <laughs> Because I mean, most people don't think of. I don't think I am. I think I'm just a. I just think I'm a crazy nut job. But I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Now you're making me blush. (laughs) I'm a big. I'm a big believer in though. I mean, this is my own personal choice. But I'd rather get my blood sugars down by walking or exercise than I would injecting myself for sure. So. I get it. Listen to your body. Listen to your body and know that your body is always going to change, and so. You're never going to master it. You just got to go with the flow yeah. and hopefully recognize the different the, the changes, I guess. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. I cannot wait to meet your boyfriend virtually. <laughs> hopefully one day in person. I know. I cannot tell you. Like, I'm going to email some of my um, Australia friends because they're always like, you have a place to stay, you know, in this part of Sydney, blah, blah, blah. But, um, Yeah. The second I have the funding and feel comfortable traveling, I know exactly Absolutely. what I'm doing. Yeah. I'll and I need to make some Kiwi friends. Do you have any Kiwi friends? I need to find some New Zealand homies. Uh, no, I don't actually. We need to I mean, I've been there and traveled, but I don't have any. I don't have any actually there, any friends there. They all tend to move to Australia, the ones I make friends with. <laughs> Well, Ozzy, I love you. Thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast. Thank you. I mean, I could talk to you for hours. I could go on and on and share so much. I can't even remember half of what we've spoken about. Well, and I I, thank you very much. Earlier today, I was like, I think we need our own like show. I mean, like the (laughs) Ellen show. It's like okay, the Australia, you know, combination with the Southern, the Texas, and we have guests, and it's like let's talk diabetes country yeah i love it that could be your next great your big acting gig i'm here for it who needs to start our when you have ozzy and amber talking about 
Exactly. You know, they're uh, they're finishing up their show anyway. Perfect opportunity for us to start ours. <laughs> Let's start making our pitches. Yeah, for sure. Well, I really appreciate you uh, having this, having me on your podcast and chatting to me today. It absolutely means the world to me that you wanted to hear my story. So I really appreciate it. I just think you're an incredibly beautiful and inspiring person and I really think it's um, wonderful what you do. It's crazy to feel so connected with someone I've only known virtually for a few months, but can't imagine life without her quirky comments and questions. I'm a better person for knowing her and feel confident this will be the first of many podcasts with Ozzy. I mean, I don't know about you, but I want to hear about the boyfriend coming back. That's going to be exciting. Anywho, before I wrap up, I have a few last minute reminders. Number one, Real Life Diabetes Virtual Happy Hour takes place every Thursday from 5 to 6.15 p.m. Central Standard Time. And be sure to register and sign up for the private Real Life Diabetes Virtual Happy Hour Facebook group. You can also click on the Happy Hour logo on the website. Number two, we're always looking for partners, sponsors, etc., who share my mission to provide support and resources for all people living with diabetes and their loved ones. Penelope would love to chat, so hit her up, Penelope at DiabetesDailyGrind.com. And finally, please stay engaged on social media. This is what I do, and I love hearing from you. If you want to contact me directly, I can always be reached at Amber at DiabetesDailyGrind.com, and getting a message from you and or an iTunes review makes my heart happy and keeps the episodes coming. I guess that's a wrap. Cheers. To the highs and lows, everyone. A little thing called diabetes. It's a daily grind. It's a daily grind. It's a daily grind.